For those of you who don't know me, I should tell you a little bit about who I am. My name's Claire. I'm a missionary with Youth with a Mission based up in Arctic Norway, which is the northernmost missions base in the world. I've been, I feel I've been called to the northern peoples. I'm a Scot, so the northern peoples make sense to me. So that's also the Nenet, which are a Sami nation and an indigenous people in Russia, uh, in the Ural Mountains at the top of Siberia. And then it's the Finns. Oh, I love the Finns. Great people. And the Swedes. They're, I shouldn't, uh, living in Norway, some of them might be upset if I said they're great, but I love the Swedes. And I love Norway. And I love the Russians. And I love the Greenlandic people, the Inuit. And I, I love the people from the Faroes, and I love the people from Scotland. And yeah, I even love the English. You might be shocked to hear that. <laughs> but I, I became a missionary 16 years ago. I, I felt a call from the Lord. I'd not been a Christian very long, in accuracy, about eight weeks. And then God started to put it on my heart to become a Christian, uh, to become a missionary. And I didn't know what a missionary was. I thought missionaries were in, from the 1800s, and they wore floppy hats and long white dresses and, and talked to the Pipi tribe in deepest, darkest Africa, and they were terribly posh. Not somebody like me. But I, we were praying in my house group, and we were getting nothing from God. We just knew I had to go. And we, asked, uh, we asked, went to ask the pastor, can you pray for us? Because I thought the pastor's more holy than the rest of us. So he can pray for us. It's absolute nonsense. It's him who's holy and puts it on us. But my pastor at the time, quite an interesting guy, plunks his big hand on my head and goes, God, Claire's not nearly as smart as she thinks she is. Can you give her a neon sign? <laughs> and that next week, I had 27 conversations about missions. It was, you know, by the, by the 27th, it's like, okay, I'm getting this. So I felt a call in my life. But I didn't really know what a missionary was. And I spoke to my friend Duncan. And Duncan, uh, I'd been doing this uh, youth house group with him. And Duncan says to me, you should be a missionary. And it's like, yeah, okay, I'm getting the message. Why would somebody like me be a missionary? He says, because you don't shut up about God. <laughs> And if you want a small definition of, of a missionary, they don't shut up about God ever. Because God's in everything. He isn't everything. He's in everything. And he's an amazing God. So, uh, did it go? Yes, we've got the right page. I love this painting. That's what I'm aiming for, for everybody I speak to about God. That they'll be able to wrap their arms around Jesus. And that first day in heaven, and you're going to know that it was worthwhile. Everything you did was worthwhile. And you'll see all the people you've influenced and spoken to in their lives and encouraged them and raised them up. And there'll also be some people there that will shock you. People who knew me 40 years ago would be quite shocked at the person I am today. I, I think when I get to heaven, there'll be a few people going, you're here? How did that happen? You know, but the first thing of a missionary is to know God and make God known. Uh, I work with Youth with a Mission, which is the largest missionary organization, direct evangelistic missionary organization in the world. We train more people than, than anywhere else. We're in, all, we're in every country but two. We're not in Pitcairn Island, and we've had to move out of South Sudan just, just for the short term, but we're everywhere else. We're in Iraq and Iran and Kurdistan and Afghanistan and Israel. You, we're everywhere, but we're there because God sent us. But get to know God through his word and his teaching and fellowship with him and fellowship with each other. It's so important we stand together and we grow together. 
and discuss because we've got different ideas and different points of view and we, we grow by, by learning from each other as we rub up against each other. As long as you've got a teachable heart, have a teachable heart because you may be wrong. And then another moment in heaven I suspect we'll have is, oh, that's what you meant. I didn't get that. I'm sorry. And it's okay to be wrong, but don't be so stuck in your ways that you can't admit that you were wrong. Be, be humble. Seek God in prayer. Missionaries seek God in prayer all the time. In, in, our, organi in our organization, we, we pray five times a week, every morning. We seek the Lord. We have quiet time with the Lord. And in that disciple process that Dave has been teaching over this 10-week period, that's part of it. Spend time with God. How can you get to know someone if you never talk to them? How can you, never, how can you know someone if you never listen to them? You don't read about them. God's word is a love story to you. Missionaries, we, we, we love the Bible. We've got to almost stand on the word. Otherwise, you get knocked aside. Learn his gifts that are in you because God has made you individual. He has made you unique and beautiful and wonderful, fearfully and wonderfully made. But get to know him and learn those gifts in you. I'm going to talk a little bit about gifts in a few minutes. But that intimacy with God is key to working, to living life to being a good Christian, to being a lover of the Lord. It doesn't make you a perfect person. Please don't expect perfection from yourself because you're never going to get it. And all it's going to be is a stick to beat yourself with. But that, that little scripture at the bottom there from Revelation 12:11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not live, live their, love their lives to death. And they overcame him with the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ that has been shed for us. We are redeemed. We are raised up. We, the, the, cross, the, the cross over there, that cross is empty. That grave is empty because he's risen. And we've got the Holy Spirit with us. And by our testimony, by telling your story of your walk with God, people overcome, people are changed. And that's what I do a lot as a missionary is I tell stories. We're in Scotland, and Scotland's a storytelling culture. Some of the other cultures I work with aren't, aren't storytelling, but I do. I, I tell stories, and it's great. And they did not love their lives to death, because if you're so focused on how everything in your life is going and on the things that you want, oh, I want that Tesla. I, I, I need that Tesla. Or I need my, my, friend in, my friend in Norway, he's got his eye on a trimaran a sailing boat. He can't afford it, and he'll probably never afford it, but he wants it, and it's, it's a bit more important to him right now than everything else, and, but he's working on it, he's learning, and he's having to calm that down. Don't love your life so much you can't do the work of the Lord. Don't love your life so much you're afraid to talk to people about God. It's okay, not everyone will listen to what you say, but you don't know what you do to people when you put that seed in there as a missionary. I was spoken, I had missions spoken into me when I was a child and I hadn't remembered it. Uh, I was in the church that, uh, that raised up uh, Hudson Taylor, Thomas Hudson, James Hudson Taylor. And he, he was the first guy to go into the middle of China and he started the Inland China Mission. An amazing fellow. And I'd been at his church when I was that high. But they told me about Hudson Taylor, the missionary. And I was so excited. I thought it was great. I wanted to be like him. And I knelt by my bed that day because that's what I was told Hudson Taylor did. He knelt by his bed and prayed. And I said, God, make me like him. And my gosh, it took a few years, took 30 years, but he made me a missionary. Like, I don't think I'm of quite of his quality, but I'm a missionary. It's amazing what God will do.
Why do we do it? Why do missionaries go out? And it's the Great Commission. These, these guys in that photo, they were students of mine from last year, stood by a glacier, which is about 10 kilometers from my house, about seven miles, but you've got to climb up the side of a mountain. But the Great Commission, and Jesus spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. Go, therefore, into, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the ending of the age. Amen. That's an incredible thing to be sent. God sends us out. That was, that was Jesus speaking to the apostles and the saints. But my gosh, are we not the saints? Are we not the modern-day apostles? Yes, we are. And we're called to go. Come on. Is it gone? Yes, can you show the video, please? In the beginning, God created man in his own image. He walked with man in the cool of the Eden, but sin interrupted that union. So God created the missionary. God said, I need someone willing to say no to the status quo, no to the dream of wealth, leave their families to fly to a distant land and learn a language they have never heard, ride in cramped buses on backs of camels, someone who would sleep anywhere, eat anything, bear the heat and fight the freeze with a smile on their face just to take the gospel to a people not their own. So God created the missionary. God said, because the harvest is plentiful, I need someone ready to sow the seed, to plow the ground, water the seed, and reap the harvest which is ripe. Someone to go and train, to multiply the crops, and to answer the call and pay the price. So God created the missionary. God said, I need someone who is a radical servant of all, taking the lowliest job, washing the feet of the poor, caring for the sick and cleaning their wounds. I need someone to visit the prisoner, care for the widow and the orphan, to sit in the dust with a child and tell them that they are loved. So God made a missionary. God said he needed someone who would believe that blind eyes could see and lame feet could walk and that the dead could live again. Someone who would pray long hours and intercede through the night with wordless groans of petition so that one soul might be saved. God said, I need someone honest and brave, full of grace, mercy, and compassion, free from fear and passivity, walking in true identity, someone burning with love and girded with truth someone who radiantly 
reflects God's glory. So God made a missionary. God said, I need someone who would say yes before they were asked. Someone who would go to distant islands, barren deserts, inner cities, closed nations, next door neighbors, and prestigious universities to reach the unreached. Who would hike any mountain and endure any obstacle? Because how will they believe in him of whom they have never heard? How will they hear unless someone preaches? And how will they preach unless they are sent? So God made the missionary. So God made the missionary. Who could be a missionary? Ordinary people like you and me. It's not that you're some high level, we're just people. We're the people of God. And there's a call on our lives. That Great Commission wasn't just for them, it's for us as well. That's why God put it in there. And it's every shape and it's every age and every ethnicity to the ends of the earth. If you read, oh, I'm sorry, I've got, not got on the right page. Forgive me. There we go. Uh, Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It starts at home. It starts where you are. It starts reaching to the person next to you and loving them. Mother Teresa said, someone asked her, how do you love people? She said, I love the person next to me. And then I reach to the person after that. And then I love the next person and I don't stop until God tells me to stop and takes me home. Do you love in that way? It's such a beautiful thing to love people. The world today isn't very loving. It's supposedly very tolerant, but it doesn't love people. Loving people is seeing them in the eyes. It's walking the walk with them. It's walking the struggles through their lives. It's encouraging them. We don't always have great words to say, but there was a Casting Crown song about 15 years ago. It said, love them like Jesus. You don't have the answer to all of life's questions, but love them like Jesus. Start at home. You may be one of the ones who's called to the ends of the earth like I was. I was down in New Zealand for five years, and in New Zealand, I was cooking for the missions base. So I'd gone from having cooked for mo at most about four to five people, and suddenly I was cooking for 200 people. Boy, did I have a learning curve, but God had tremendous grace on me in that, and I only ruined one meal. Uh, which was awful, but it, I only ruined one out of, out of four years of cooking. And I also worked in the, in the men's high security prison, working with the worst of the worst in New Zealand. And these guys had never experienced somebody loving them. They'd not that long before had a judge saying, you cannot be in society, you are terrible. And to have someone come along and say, the judge said that, but God loves you. And one of the guys said a beautiful thing. He'd been coming to the Sunday services for, for about six months. And he said, do you know what, Claire? I'm more free than those prison guards because I know the Lord. What a fantastic thing to say. Know God and make God known. And that's what he was doing in the prison. He felt he had such a powerful thing in his life to be in that position of loving God and making God known. 
So go past that one. Come on. There we go. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That does not mean you are happy every day and every moment. But there's a joy in us because we know the Lord. On the tough days, we've got somewhere to go to. And God's willing and ready to receive us, to take us through the valley of trouble, through the valley of death, and take us to the green pastures and the still waters. I don't know if you know that, but sheep don't like to drink from running water. But he takes us to the still waters and the green pastures. And he doesn't leave us in the valley of the shadow of death. He takes us through. But is it, is, it, is it the only way to be a missionary and go abroad? Can you be a missionary at home? Yeah, you can. You can, you can be in missions for the Lord at home. Most are sent. Most missionaries go out. I'm sent from this church. Hallelujah. I'm one of those lucky people who has a home church that, that loves to send. It's fantastic to have that. Some of my fellow missionaries are jealous for that. They're jealous for you sending us. It's wonderful that, that I have it. I hope they get it as well. The apostles were commanded to go to Jerusalem first and then Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. So there's still that call wherever you are. Whatever you do, go with love in your heart. We are known by how we love. John 13, 35. How are you known? Are you known by how you love people? And if you're not, have a wee read of 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. And can you put your name in front of that and say, Claire is patient. Claire is kind. And if it's you and you're not that, maybe you've got some work to do. Christianity isn't, you don't just fall, well, there's grace and you fall into grace, but sometimes you've got to step in it. And it's a challenge to walk that. But if you walk it together, it's amazing what you can do. You can never speak into someone's life as well if they don't know you or don't realize that you care about them. So your first thing is to love them. As a missionary, you go out and you love the people. And you love them and then they'll let you speak into their lives. If you come with your preachy finger, they're just going to turn away. Because that was what I was terrified of when I came back to church as a, as a middle, you know, I was in my 30s. And I sat at the back behind a big stone pillar because I was terrified of what the Christians would think about me if they knew how awful I was. And I understand we're all awful in certain ways. We all do things that we, that we wish we hadn't. But in that moment, I was terrified of people in the church. But as I came in the door, people welcomed me. And I had my hat on and my sunglasses because I didn't want to look the good Christians in the eye. I was probably a bit scared that if I touched the, the, the baptismal font, I would turn into smoke and flames and it would be horrible. But the woman at the door said, oh, it's so good you're here. There's a seat over there and I can come and sit next to you if you want. And I said, no, no, it's fine. And she went, well, I'll just be over here if you need me. And the toilet's through there. And that simple welcome and that simple care kept me coming. And then I was able to receive the word of God. I was able to hear things that changed my life. And I was able to meet, the God, meet God himself in worship and in prayer and in teaching and in the word of God. That's what missionaries do. Do you welcome people in? Be welcoming. Hospitality is such an important thing to our Christian life. Come on. You're going to go. Can you move it forward? There we go. Fishers of men. This is my friend. And he, he got a call and he went from a fisher of fish to a fisher of men. Just like, just like uh, Peter and Andrew. 
And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting the net into the, into the sea. They were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately dropped their nets and followed him. That obedience is something that I've learned as a missionary I need to do, because it can be that, that's that moment you have with a person to say that thing that God's putting on your heart. But it was also why I followed. I'm sorry it took 27 conversations about missions and, and why I'm in mercy ships that I actually went. But he called and I answered. Missionaries are called and they obey the call. But remember when we were reading the Great Commission, we're all called. It's in writing from Jesus to you. So you're called as well into the mission field. This friend, as I say, has become a missionary, but this is one of his favorite verses from Matthew 9. And then he said to the disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need more missionaries, even in Scotland. Scotland needs missionaries, and Norway needs more. There's, a, there's 13 of us for a region two-thirds the size of Scotland. So if we didn't go, who would? Who would go there to the land of ice and frozenness and dark in winter, complete darkness from November through till February? And then in the summer, you've got 24-hour daylight, so the sun's shining, hopefully, shining in your window, and it's hard to sleep. Your sleep patterns get messed up. But if I didn't go, who would go? Who would go to these people of the north? Who would go to the Finns with their incredible language that's beautifully complex? Who would go to the Nenet in Russia? When we first reached those people about 10 years ago, they were, they were almost in totally unreached people. And their comment was, this is great, but why didn't you come before? That broke my heart. Why didn't we go to them before? It's not easy to get there. It's terribly long journeys. We can still get to the Sami in, in Russia if we go through the Kola Peninsula because we have Sami people work with us and they have, uh, they're allowed to go across the border, but they're not allowed to speak to Russians. They've got to speak to the, the Sami right now. Hopefully it will open up at some point and Russia will be open to receiving more of the gospel again. But if we don't go, who's going to go? These little churches all through the north of Norway that can be five hours drive from the next church and they've got no pastor. We go as missionaries and teach them how to be pastors and how to run a church. Missionaries do that as well. Missionaries of all nations build with Christ. Uh, I didn't turn the thing, did I? There we go. Can you just do it? I'm forgetting to do it. Uh, we've got an American there, and we've got a, an island north Norwegian, and we've got a Russian from Olnogorsk, which is near Arkhangelsk in the, north of no in the north of Russia. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God, having been built in the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows in the holy temple in the Lord, in whom also you are also being built into a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. God, the Spirit is in you. But Christ is the cornerstone of everything you do. If you just go out and try and do it, and you're not doing it with God, it's not going to go so well. But if you go with God, doors open. It's amazing. You see young children picking up a mic and, and reading Psalms. Hallelujah. Wasn't that fantastic? And the two of them singing, that took great courage from them. I was so impressed. 
but a missionary is international. We call ourselves global and local. And some people say we're global. I'm not quite sure about that word, but we're global and local. Are you global and local? We have people from quite a few nations in here today. Be, be that person. If you've come into a nation, you've got a chance to be a missionary. If you're still here, you've got a chance to be a missionary. Missionaries are living the life that Dave's teaching about, this discipled lifestyle of how to live, how to walk with God, how to deal with sin, how to deal with brokenness in your life, how to go forward. Missionaries train other people and release them to continue. This woman stood next to me. Uh, she's a Sami lady, and she came and did our discipleship training school. She was 52 when she did it. So age, not a problem. You can still be a missionary. And she now uh, goes and teaches in this church that, that I spent six years in Norway going four or five times a year and teaching them how to run a church and then handing it over to them. They didn't need, once I taught them, they didn't need me to keep running church for them. They actually picked it up and they're doing church themselves. The old idea of missions was to, to go and, and make churches and then stay and be the pastors long term. That was, that, was way, that was long ago. And we don't want people to be little Scotland or little Brazil or, or little Norway. We want them to be the Sami people for God. We want them to be the Nenet people for God. We want them to be the Samoan people for God or the New Zealand people, the Maori for God. Don't make them like you, make them like him. Make them like the Christ likeness in them. Missionaries feed people. One of the most powerful things to do is to gather people around a table and love them. When I first was, became a Christian, my church back in, back in East Lothian, uh, we used to have Tuesday chums and Friday friends. And we would, we would just inv invite all the broken people, the, the drunks, the drug users, guys just out of prison, whoever. And we used to have a big you know, 20 liters of soup and some bread and some, and some ham and some cheese. And we'd just sit around the table and talk with them, and occasionally we'd, we'd have that opportunity to pray with them. But they got something about people loving them, being the missionaries and reaching to them in that community. And it was a very powerful thing. Missionaries help other people. I don't know if you can see it there. Oh, I'm sorry, can you go back one? Yeah. Uh, missionaries help other people. You, you carry people at times. Sometimes we all need carried. That's why we fellowship. There's days that life just stinks. It really hurts. And you don't know how you're going to get through the day. And tears are tripping you and you feel broken. Pick someone up who's in that place. You don't have to say, oh, the joy of the Lord is on you and all be happy. Sit with them. Cry with them. One day in New Zealand, I was having a terrible day. And I was cutting carrots, but you'd think I was cutting onions. Tears were rolling down my face. And this, this woman from Slovakia came in. And she just looked at me, and she came over, and she just put her forehead against mine, and she cried. Didn't do anything else, but she shared my day. She shared my pain. That was such a powerful thing to me. And that changed me forever. I, I stopped trying to fix people. I started just trying to walk with people and love them. So if you do that, do that, walk with them. Missionaries support the church. Missionaries should never be replacing the church. We should be lifting the church up. We're kind of the thin end of the wedge, and that, that shows it beautifully. We're, we're up to our waists in the river, dragging the sheep out of the water. But we can't do that without the church. If the church doesn't hold on to the missionary, we get washed away as well. The church raises up the missionary. 
the church supports the missionary and we support the church. As I said, missionaries start churches, but the idea is to start and train folk and hand it over, just like Paul did with Timothy. If you read the book of Timothy, you can see Paul speaking to him and, and Timothy learning how to, how to be. He was quite young. Don't, don't despise young people leading, because they absolutely can. It's one of YWAM's values is to raise up young people. The, the leaders at Morgan are uh, 22 and 24 years old, and they, they have a baby and if she's pregnant with another one. It's amazing what can happen. But they bring an energy and an idea and an ability to communicate with the youth that kind of look at me as grandma. So it's great. People of all ages can work together. Missionaries are para-church. We support the church. We shouldn't be replacing. Bring people in. We often go to existing churches as well like here, and I get a chance to talk about the things that excite my life and the Lord and the way, yes, and I get to tell you about God and tell you about missions and tell you what God's doing. With a bride, you know, we're speaking to the bride of Christ. That's a weird thing for the guys to get hold of, but Christ is the bridegroom and the church is, is the bride of Christ. And it's not a building of wood and stone, it's you and it's them and it's the people out there it's even the catholics and even the methodists and even the church of scotland it's everyone is the is the bride of christ and if you think you've got all the ideas absolutely perfect and those methodists you're already in trouble where's your humble heart where's your teachability and if you argue over the tiny little differences you're never going to stand together in fellowship love each other i have the privilege being in ywam that we work with people from all over the place all kinds of different churches and it's wonderful and it's great to hear someone else's point of view on scripture and it makes you think and you go oh well maybe I've been wrong for all these years and it's great it's good to be wrong because then you get a chance to go get it right don't be afraid of being wrong be the bride of Christ and the bride is also washed clean and spotless so if you're sitting there feeling guilty thinking I haven't done this and Claire's telling me about all this stuff you're washed clean the blood has washed you clean you are prepared spotless before the Lord. Okay. There's, there's a few commissions within the Bible, and I spoke about the Great Commission from Jesus, but in that video, Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, Youth with a Mission, he, he talked about Adam and God walking with him in the cool of the day. And so God created man in his own image. The image of God he made him male and female. He created them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Adam and Eve were commissioned to go and look after the world. It seems to be the big message you see in the media now, you know, that we need to look after the world, the world's falling apart. That commission has been mankind's from the beginning. We've had a duty and a, and a, and a call to look after the earth, not treat animals cruelly to look after the land, not make it toxic and poisonous, but to look after the land. And that's still the same call for us today. And then Abraham's covenant, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, Abraham, and you shall be a father to many nations. God sent Abraham out to be a father to many nations. So what do we do? As I say, we look after the world. We look after the nations, all the nations together in one place. I just spent so, a week in, in Russia, in, sorry, in Bad Blankenberg, being translated by a Russian to Ukrainians who were refugees and being able to speak for a whole week on, on identity in Christ. 
and you see these people open up and blossom and you see the Russians sitting with the Ukrainian and grieving with them over what's happening and then there was the Germans and the Germans were there with everyone and so and so with the Brazilians we had Brazilians so I was being translated into three languages as I was teaching and the Brazilians were all excited and loving God and it was wonderful in that room you had the extroverts uh, Brazilian people, not every Brazilian is extrovert, but they were. And we had some really introvert Germans. And trying to get them to ask a question in the class was, it was like dragging teeth out of people. But we're, we're it's all the nations because we're one root and we're of the kingdom of heaven. You are of the kingdom of heaven, but we step one foot in the world. But that doesn't mean we're of the world anymore. We're transformed. We're in the process of living and working out our, our salvation with the Lord. But missionaries are us. Missionaries are you and me. It's Peter and Andrew. Peter, Captain Impulsive. I, I just have this lovely picture of Peter seeing Jesus on the shore and jumping in the water to swim to him. And the guy's just rowing past him. Going, Why are you in the water, Peter? We could just get there quicker. But he, he wanted the Lord so much, he, he just jumped in the water. Will you jump in the water? Will you step? Will you take Jesus' hand and walk on water with him? It's a scary thing to do. But I do it all the time because I walk on ice. Up in, up in the north, but will you step with Jesus into something new? Missionaries are sent by God and by man. Missionaries are discipled in God's word and in obedience. And then the fivefold ministry, and he himself gave some to be apostles. The ideas people, the people who go. Where I, I had a real apostolic idea to go to the New Zealand prisons and take family ministries into the prison to these guys who had no family. They didn't know, they didn't have an identity and belonging apart from to the gangs. And I took that in there, and it's still being done now. The, the course that I taught is being taught by the other chaplains. Some are prophets, the ones who hear from God and have visions and dreams, speak into people's lives, speak to kings and prime ministers, and speak to the ordinary man, the beggar in the street. And some are evangelists. Come with the word of God. It's great to be an evangelist. You've got a chance to excite people and talk about God. It's also scary to be an evangelist because you've got to be out there and you risk somebody calling you an idiot. Someone's screaming and shouting at you. I've only had that twice, someone screaming and shouting at me. But I've spoken to a lot of people about God. And then there's the pastors. The pastors who walk the walk with you, go through the difficult stuff with you. The pastoral people in the church will walk with you and love you. And then there's the teachers, the people who stand up and share the word of God and, and teach on a deeper level, perhaps. Not every pastor is an apostle. Not every pastor is, is a teacher. Not every teacher is a pastor. We have different gifts and we, we move in them. Uh, just to give you an idea of something different, an evangelist and a pastor, they went into the woods to go and hunt. And the, it's going dark and the pastor says to the evangelist, let's just go into the cabin and we'll, we'll sleep nice, and then I'll cook his breakfast. And then we can go out, and we can hunt bears. And the, the evangelist says, no, I want it to go out now. I want it to go out. And he's going, oh, come on, we'll, go, we'll, go, we'll have a nice night, and then we'll go out. So first thing in the morning, the sun hits the pastor in the face, and he yawns and stretches and says, thank you, Lord. Looks around, and there's no sign of the, the evangelist. He's gone. He's out in the woods. So he thinks, well, I'm still going to have breakfast. I've got a plan. So he's, he's having his breakfast, and he hears from outside, Open the door! Open the door! And so he opens the door to see a, the evangelist running towards the cabin with the pastor, uh, with the, past, uh, the, the evangelist, uh, sorry, the, the bear is running to the door, chasing the evangelist. 
Just as he gets to the door, the evangelist turns sideways and the bear runs into the cabin. The evangelist shuts the door. And about five hours later, the pastor comes out and he's, he's got scratches on him. He's got bites and everything. The bear comes out and he's been crying. And his, his nose is running. He's, thank you, pastor. Thank you, pastor. All in all, it's easier to be an evangelist than a pastor. Pray for this guy, please. This guy has to do a walk with people from all things. So pray for him. But all these gifts are for the equipping of the saints, for the work in ministry, and for edifying the, edifying the body of Christ. We want to lift people up. If that's about making you look good, if that's about making you stand there going, ta-da, I'm incredible, mm, stop, because you're about to have a very big fall. Do it for raising up the people, for loving the people, raising up the body of Christ. Then there's ministry gifts, the gift of the Holy Spirit. That power and that majesty of God, all the power and all the majesty of God is in you. And it's beautiful. And he will lead you and he will guide you. You need God. In, in the, if you've got a train, God has to be driving. You don't want your emotions running the train track because it will just go all over the place. Let God lead. And then the gift of faith. Faith is a gift. It gives you the strength to step out there. It gives you the strength to recognize, oh my gosh, God is real. If you don't know God is real, I dare you to pray. God, if you're real, show me in the next year. And if it's right, then I'll follow you the rest of, the day, the rest of my days. Give me that gift of faith, Lord. And you'll see amazing things happen. The gift of forgiveness. Oh, this is so powerful in, in the mission field and in missionaries. We have to forgive. We work, we work with people we don't know that well. We work with cultures we don't necessarily understand. Walk in forgiveness. Anyone who's married knows you've got to walk in forgiveness because otherwise you're, you're, going, you're going to have a bad day. You've also got to walk in forgiveness if you're single. The difference between married couples' forgiveness and single people's forgiveness. Single people have to forgive in public. Married people do a lot more behind closed doors. But forgiveness is a way of life. It's about not living offended. It's not taking the bait of Satan and letting him stab you in the heart again and again and again. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Jesus said to Peter, how many times shall I forgive? And he said, 70 times 7. That's how many times you've got to forgive. And then more, and keep on forgiving. Love people who are unlovable, because God loves them. That person sitting in front of you, they might, be a, they might be a monster, but God still loves them and wants to change their lives. And then they might not be a monster anymore. And then the gift of the church. I didn't realize what a gift the church was until I moved to a place where there wasn't any churches, right up in the north in this wilderness region. And there was no pastors and no churches. I had to drive two hours to get to the nearest church. Church is so precious. Come together. Come together around your dining table. That can be church as well when you bring your house group together. Come alongside someone and sit with them when they're hurting. That's church. Wherever two or three are gathered, and then I'll be with you. Church is so important to your life. Don't miss out on church if you can. We, because we didn't have a church near us, because the pastor who was running the nearby church retired. He was 80, and he retired. And there wasn't a pastor willing to come up there at that time. We started a missions church. We wouldn't run when other, we ran it on days when the other churches in the area weren't running. By area, we're talking two hours drive, is local. But we ran on different days, and we're still running that Saturday church. And we've now got quite a few of the kids in the, in the local council area are coming to us. 
We've got youth coming. We've got grown-ups coming. We've got young mums coming. We've got adults coming. We've got grandparents coming. Come together. Be the church together. And walk with each other. And love each other. And then the gift of heaven. Driven by eternity. Are you driven by eternity? Do you know that you know that you know God is with you? And that you're saved? And one fine day, when you close your eyes at the end of your life, you'll open your eyes again and the first thing you'll see is Christ coming on the clouds. It promises it. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think about when you die? Don't be afraid of death. Because you're going to die one way or another. But the next thing you know is you're going to open your eyes and see the love of your life, the Savior coming for you. If you live with that, driven, that eternity in your heart, you've got much more chance of walking in a missional life. Missionaries need each other too. Missionaries come to serve, not be served. I love that painting. Uh, done by a South African lady from Cape Town. And just that offering up of the sword to the Lord. My life is for you. Everything I do is for you. But it's for God, but it's also for God's people. Serving people is such a powerful thing to do. It's a privilege when people let you into their lives and let you help them. Hallelujah. It's so beautiful when you can love people. When people love me, it's great. I wonder if they'd actually know me. If they really knew me, would they still love me? Yes, because we're the children of God. How great the love that is lavished upon us that we may be called children of God and that we are. 1 John, uh, 1 John 3, 1. Missionaries must pray day and night. Do you pray? Paul tells us to pray all, all, all the time. I pray a lot when I'm driving. It's a great time to pray. I don't close my eyes. Because <laughs> you just get in trouble if you do that. But pray day and night. It's a conversation with God. It, for some people, it's in a darkened room, sitting there with no one else around. Fabulous. In the war room with the Lord, ready to fight for the Lord and for his people. But gosh, we need to intercede. Prayer is a thing that, that changes our lives and it changes the lives around us. Prayer is powerful. In prayer, we see things happen. We see the sight given to the blind. We see the, the par paralyzed rise up. We see, our ears, see ears opened. And I, I can give you testimony. If you want to hear about those three things, I can tell you because I've had it happen when I've been praying for people. I've not had the chance to pray for someone who's died for them to come back. Maybe one day God will put me in that place and I hope I've got enough faith that day to even dare. But sometimes, because of what's going on, sometimes when I'm praying for Ukraine and the trouble they're in and the pain they're in, I don't have words. I don't have words for these children in basements being bombed and being taken from their homeland and taken to Russia. I don't ha always have prayer for those poor Russian soldiers who are fighting a war they, they're not equipped for. They, they shouldn't be doing it. I, those, those young men and young women are being lost. That's tragic. The youth of a generation are being taken. And that's the same with Ukraine. I don't have words, so I cry with the Lord. It breaks my heart for those people. But live an amazing life in the mission, with God's mission as a plan for you. To be salt and light. How do you salt and light every day? Or sometimes you're just salty. Do you, do you taste of God anymore? But wherever you are, let your life reflect who God is. And you're beginning your walk, you'll begin your walk in missions. 
listened for your call, and I showed you the Great Commission, and I showed you Adam, and I showed you Abraham. So Old Testament, beginning, Old Testament, New Testament, you're called. Listen to his voice and be inspired by someone or having a burden for a people. One of the things I do every day, I've got YWAM contacts in Ukraine and they share real stories with me and I share it on Facebook. And lots of people get a chance to read that. Missionaries can be the center of a hub. We walk in circles and then we cycle out to other people. But be inspired. Be inspired and pray for them. And just just by saying, I want to know more of God and, and how to walk a discipled and exciting life. You're saying almost the words that, that Isaiah said. The Hebrew word is hineni, which is, here I am, Lord, use me. I, are you, are you, dare you say that? Dare you say that? And I'm just looking at Anne and Ian with the Athel Center there and all that they've poured into that incredible place and how it brings people together and loves them. They said, basically said, Hineni, here we are, Lord, use us. And boy, God has used them. Dave, Miranda, Douglas, so many of us were used by God if you give him the space to do so. God will never force it on you. But if you ever feel forced and there's no way out, then it's not God. If you're being led forward and you're encouraged, then it's probably God. Be a disciple and a follower of God. Walk so close behind God that his dust kicks on you. Can you imagine walking through the desert with Jesus and the sand that he's walking on kicks all over you? Do that. Yeshua Yahoo, Jesus Christ, the God who saves. Follow him. Follow the line of Judah and know that he is with you and he will never forsake you. So I bless you. I bless you for listening. Thank you. God be with you. Be inspired.